Hello, and welcome to a special episode of Husky Talk. We are your hosts, Emily, Maddie, and Madison. In this episode, we will be talking with a couple different people about the Idita Rider experience. We will be talking with Diane Johnson, who is in charge of the Idita Rider experience and a longtime Idita Rider. Nancy Livingston, who has been an Idita Rider 19 times, please welcome to the show both Nancy Livingston and Diane Johnson. Hello, Diane. Diane, how are you today? Hi, how are you guys today? Good. This episode's topic is about the Idita Writer program. We have already interviewed Nancy Livingston about her experience as an Idita Writer. We are going to add your interview with you to the same podcast. Sounds great. The next part. So, can you talk to us about what the Idita Writer program is and when it started? Well, hi, everybody. It's great to talk to you today. You know, first off, you're going to stump me on one question. I'm not exactly sure how long the program has been in existence, but probably at least 25 to 30 years, somewhere right around there. That's my guess. The Iditarider program is a major fundraiser for Iditarider. It is an opportunity for race fans to bid and win a ride with a musher at the start of the Iditarod. That's the ceremonial start every uh, Saturday, the first Saturday in March. So we have, currently, we have an online bidding procedure where fans pick a musher and they place a bid. And then when bidding closes, the one with the highest bid wins the ride. That's pretty cool. It's really an exciting program. Um, People from all over the world have ridden with us from many foreign countries, as well as, you know, lower 48, and, of course, from Alaska. Wow. Which mushers usually sell the fastest? You know, sometimes a champion will sell right off the bat. Um, But sometimes rookies or people running maybe their second or third year sell pretty quickly, too. So we have two kinds of bidding to do. You can purchase something instantly um, and take it out of the bid or take it out of the option by bidding instantly and paying $7,500. This year, eight musher sleds sold for $7,500. That's a record. We haven't sold that many instant um, purchase before. So that's pretty exciting to see. Um, And some of those sleds that were sold full price were past champions, and uh, some of them were fairly new mushers. Wow. Can you tell us about the ultimate experience? Well, the ultimate experience is is, the, is an opportunity for someone to go a step beyond just riding in an Iditarider sled. With that package, they get to go out to Rainy Pass and spend two or three nights and get to help check-in mushers as they arrive. Now, we did not sell that package this year, um, but most years we do. Uh-huh. What happens to the mushers that are not bid on? Well, every, every musher has a sled. And if you look on the website and at the auction, you'll see some mushers that were not sold in the auction. That's because those sleds, those rides, were actually purchased by sponsors. And so race fans did not get the opportunity to purchase those because they were already sold. So every rider or every musher 
has a an Iditarider in the sled, either purchased at the auction or purchased by sponsors. That's pretty cool. It is cool. You know, there's some great stories, and I'm going to tell you one. <laughs> one year, not too many years ago, um, a family bought rides, the mother, the uh, father, and the college-age daughter. And they all three rode with three different mushers. Whoa. Now, the college-age daughter m- met the mother's musher, if, if you see what I'm talking about here. Uh-huh. Um, and they seemed to kind of hit it off. And the next year, the daughter got married to that oh, musher. Oh, Isn't that cute? That's yeah. really cool, isn't it? So the second year when, when that same daughter then, she actually rolled with the musher that was her fiancé. Mm-hmm. And they got married a couple of months after the race. Oh, that's cool. It is cool. And it's really neat because some of the riders have been riding for many, many, many years, like Nancy Livingston, um, who you interviewed, and some of them are riding for the first time. Some of them are kids. Some of them are adults. Um, Some of them have never been to Alaska before, and others have been here quite a few times. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Sometimes, every year we have a -a make-a-wish child that rides in a sled as well. Um, And so that's, that's really special. Yeah, that the Make a Wish program is is uh, part of what we do. Yeah, that's cool. When we talked with Nancy, she said she had been an Iditarider for several year, years. Is uh-huh. she unique, or do other people like that do that multiple times? There are probably ten or fifteen people who try to who are I would consider them uh, multiple year riders. So we have some fan, some race fans who do it year after year after year. Wow. That's cool. Just like Nancy. Right. Is there anything you'd like to add about the Dead Rider program? Well, what I'd like to add is that we really are grateful to every person who goes in and bids at the auction. These uh, race fans are really helping us to fund the race by their donations and their bids. And so they do an, a pretty amazing thing. You know, they get a fun ride, usually about 11 miles. But more than that, they have helped us stage the race through their generous uh, contributions by bidding. That's cool. It is very cool. Thank you for thank you, Diane, for sharing this information with us. About you are welcome, and I hope you tune tune in to the ceremonial start, and you'll get to see some of those Iditarider riders in the sleds that day. We definitely will tune in. <laughs> All right, great. Now we are going to talk with longtime Iditarider writer, Nancy Livingston. So, hi, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. I'm in the desert in California, so I'm in a warm 77-degree weather condition. Oh, that Ooh, sounds You are fun. so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> We're entering a very, very cold front. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I was born in Chicago and raised there, so I understand Midwest weather. Yeah. So, before we start our interview, we'd like to test you on your Iditarod knowledge. We have five Iditarod trivial questions to ask you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Who won the first Iditarod? Wilmart. Yes. Who won the most Iditarods? Rick Swenson. Good job. Who founded the Iditarod? Joe Reddington. You're on fire. (laughs) How many dogs can a musher start with this year? 
This year it's 14. It has previously been 16. Yes. Good job. The, what is the award given to the musher that finishes the race last? Oh, the lantern. The yes. red lantern. You got all of them right. I'm brilliant. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where we'll be asking you questions. Okay. So you know, we are also talking with Diane Johnson in this podcast, and she will be explaining what the Iditarod experience is all about. So, okay, so what is like the experience of being Iditarod about? Well, the experience has, I think, several uh, advantages. One, it assists the race in terms of good publicity and what they're doing uh, by interacting with riders and the general population and giving the impression of what the dogs can do, what they're bred for. And it also um, gives the mushers a chance to work the... Okay? Okay. Okay. So... Uh, okay. <laughs> can you talk to us about when you... When and why you first started following the Iditarod? I first started following it and riding in 2001. My university, San Diego State, hired uh, an educator from Alaska, and she was acquainting us with the education workshop that uh, Diane now is in charge of and doing an exemplary uh, job. And I then brought up, over the course of the next 10 to 12 years, about 26 of our student teachers, our intern teachers that were in the San Diego State University intern program. And the role that I played as a faculty advisor was to be the writer, and then the role that the students played was to take back what they had learned in terms of engagement teaching and then modeling that in their classrooms as a part of a university graduate credit program. And once I became so enthralled with writing, even after I retired in 2008, I continued it. So this year will be my 19th year. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, we know you're a longtime Iditarodder. So when was, the what w when was your first experience as an Iditarodder? It was 2001, and the first musher I rode what, uh, I believe he's now deceased, is uh, Mr. Dan Giovanni. Mm hmm so, can you talk to us about what your first experience was like? Well, the first experience, I simply overdressed for frozen Arctic weather, thinking I would need to wear everything that you saw in a picture in a catalog for cold weather. And I can only tell you that I now wear half of that. <laughs> but the first experience was simply being struck by the beauty of the land that the dogs took us through once they were out of the city limits of Anchorage and how they really ran for the enjoyment of it and they exhibited a skill that they were bred for and then you saw the exemplary care that the mushers were giving that dog, the entombment between the dogs and the mushers and their commands. And to me, right after that, I look at that now each year as my hour and a half in a very, very special place in the Alaska frontier. And my being engaged with dogs that have a purpose in life, I've raised uh, German Shepherd uh, service dogs. I'm on my sixth dog right now. And the dogs that run the Iditarod have their purpose, too. 
they're working dogs and they work for their love, their enjoyment, transportation to villages that have no other means of bringing things into them, as well as being recognized now as a very valid professional sport, just like thoroughbred horses. You know, they're canine professionals, canine athletes. That's Yeah. What is it that makes you keep coming back each year to the Iditarider? That, I would say, really hooked once I rode with champion Robert Sorley from Norway. And the desire of the Norwegians, uh, their graciousness, their culture, and their history with mushing, to me, paralleled so much of what Alaska was trying to do. And the blend of the two is just about every single year, a Norwegian has run in the Iditarod. And I've ridden with a, a Norwegian mushing now for the past 15 out of the 19 years that I've ridden. Wow. Uh, commonly just called Robert Ryder or Robert's Ryder, using the sight tax, and uh, then riding and supporting the other Norwegians. And this year I'll be riding with a, a rookie who's a very first-time uh, musher in the Iditarod, and he's Norwegian. That's cool. So how many different mushers have you ridden with? Uh, let's see. Uh, there were six, seven, seven different Norwegians. Uh, then six others that were actually um, uh, Alaskans, but I've ridden with many of them twice, like I rode with Rick Swenson uh, two times, and then Robert, as I said, five or six, and Eward, I've ridden with him three times. So a total of, I'd say, 12 out of the 19 years, individual entities by their name, regardless <laughs> of the numbers of times I've ridden with them. Wow. Who are you riding with this year? His name is Nicholas Wickstrand, and he is from Norway. He's worked uh, <laughs> up in the Arctic Circle of Norway with uh, teams that were used out there in uh, tourism and teams that were necessary to support uh, research that's going on in the Arctic and the ocean. Wow. Can you tell us a few stories or memories you have from being an Idita writer? Oh, let's see. I have an outstanding memory of the first time I fell off a sled. Uh, that happened when I was riding with our current champion, uh, Eward. Uh, we had a sled that was configured as the lead sled, where he was in the front part of the lead sled, and I was on the handlebars on the same sled. Then behind us, uh, we had Peter Duncan, our famous Scotsman, uh, who always did the tag. Well, normally I would take the uh, handlebars, as we say, when we get to the Campbell airstrip because it's a very straight ride in. But when we took off, I knew there was a problem. The minute I saw the lead, the wheel dog, instead of going forward straight, the left wheel dog moved off to the left. And your wheel dog centers your sled so that the dogs can make a perfect left or a perfect right. And I knew when he swung back into that straight line, I was going to get flipped off, oh. which I did because of the centrifugal force. Oof. But it was soft powder snow. It was just embarrassing that finally, uh, I think this was my, let's see, this is 19. It happened three years ago, so it was my 16th ride. Oh, I gosh. fell off for Norway, and I always kid them about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it happens. You know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> 
What kind of advice do you have for a first-time Idea Writer? For a new Idea Writer? Yes. The number one thing that you have to keep in mind is happiness, 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 and what those dogs are doing. And look at it through their eyes first, what they're doing, why they're doing it. And then you want to look at the environment around you and listen to the sleds running on the snow. You want to listen to the panting of the dogs, their padding, the eagles that you see flying. And for those of us that have come from big cities, I mean, that's something that a lot of people never in their life, you know, go into a frontier environment like that. And then when you think back of the 1925 run, that there was a sled, several of them, and several mushers from the villages, professional mushers, that took a necessary medicine all the way to Nome, which was far beyond the 12 miles max that uh, I've ever done in a sled. Uh, I think that they need to take in the experience from multiple angles and not, this is a sled ride. It's not. It's a lifetime experience that is just the epitome of Alaska and what a particular breed of dog called a sled dog can accomplish for enjoyment and for need of people that live in their area, which is the last frontier, which is Alaska. Yeah. So what is your favorite part of being an I did a writer? Oh, I just have to say again, even though it's the only place that ever fell off the sled, it's coming in on the Campbell airstrip and being able to stand on the runners. Uh, I hope to ride with a musher next year who trained me on his sled a year ago that you take your foot off the right runner and you barely, barely touch a Norwegian-style brake. And that lead dog out there on the right will just slow in a heartbeat. And when you do it on the left, the same thing. So it's an added skill for me to just stand there and ride and keep them moving. But now I'll actually be able to break them. And so I'm looking forward to that. And also it being the 20th year, which at my age now, I'll be 77 uh, this fall, uh, probably my years of riding in the sled might come to, you know, a reasonable senior age halt. Have you ever thought of running sled dogs yourself? No. Uh, as I said, uh, in living where I have primarily lived in California, uh, it's not something weatherized that would be year-round exclusive. And at my age and my experience with German shepherds, particularly those that have been um, uh, handicapped trained, working dog trained, those that have been sniffer trained, in other words, trying to uh, find people that are injured uh, or, you know, deceased. Uh, I haven't thought of doing that as uh, someone as great as Allie or Didi. They're wonderful, and I don't think I would be wonderful doing <laughs> it. So the next section is where we... we are going to, we call it lightning round, and we have five questions for you to answer, as quick as you can. Ready? All right. <laughs> yes. Favorite musher? Robert Sorley from Norway. Mm -hmm. Favorite book? My favorite book has always been uh, one of the uh, Michener novels, and I've always liked that, you know, the best. <laughs> 
And my other one is uh, Edna Ferber's Ice Palace. Hmm. Favorite song? Oh, golly, my favorite song. Um, actually, it's a Hawaiian song. It's uh, Pearly Shells. It isn't anything of um, particular significance other than it's a very cheery, chimey, you know, Hawaiian song, and I love Don Ho, and I love Pearly Shells. Nice. Alaska or California? Oh, I have a house in Homer, and I'm happiest there for six months of the year, and a house in San Diego, and I'm happiest there for six times of the year. And if it's during the winter months, more so in San Diego, and I love Alaska during Iditarod Week with all its ice and snow. But otherwise, I'm there during the summer in Homer, Alaska. This final question we're asking all of our guests is, if you could go on a sled jog trip with anybody, living or dead, who would you choose and why? Robert Sorley. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, Nancy, for taking the time out of your day to talk with us. Have a great day. Have a great ride this year. Thank you to both of you, Emily and Maddie, and thank you, Erin. You're Special thanks to our guests, Nancy and Diane, for being on our show this week. Subscribe to us on iTunes and tune in next week. We would also like to give credit to Hobo Jim for our theme song, the Iditarod Trail song. Now enjoy a clip from Nancy's favorite song, Pearly Shells. Pearly Shells From Shining in the sun, covering the shore. When I see them, my heart tells me that I love you more than all the little pearly shells. For